The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lampin, Jennifer and Cody presenting book three, World War II. Consciousness had come first, and it had taken all of her discipline to stay where she was when she came to and couldn't see. Vicky had trained herself a long time ago to be aware of where she was as soon as she was awake. The zero-gravity chair kept her upright and in one place even unconscious. And fortunately for her, sight started coming back pretty quickly. The first thing that jump-started was the realization that she'd almost had the right answer when the answer blew up in her face. These Thulians didn't know magic, but Goldman had. He'd been around when Himmler was messing about with his SS elite magic society. So, he trapped the place against magicians. The only thing that had saved them all was that she hadn't been physically present, and all she was using was a simple, low-level light spell. The trap had been designed to take whatever magic touched it, amp it up exponentially, and blow it back in the caster's face. If she'd been there, it would have charred her inside and out, and the gods only knew what it would have done to the rest of the team. But the caster wasn't there. Just her computer... Computers! She didn't hear the noises of her Overwatch suite. No fans, no pings, no... nothing. That jolted her into full consciousness, and she flailed in her chair. And that awoke more pain than she'd been in since she'd been in burn rehab. Her skin seemed to have tightened all over where there were scars, hardening up and hurting. For a moment, that put her into pure panic mode. Then a particularly gut-wrenching spasm brought tears of pain into her eyes, and that cleared them. She blinked and saw all her computer screens dark and by the mental flash of her team down in the catacombs, just as blind as she was. There were no more traps. Before Vicky had gotten knocked offline, she downloaded the last iteration of their sketchy map to Bull's PDA, with where you've been, and most importantly, where you're going, marked on it. It had been updating regularly all along, so he could only assume that she had that function automated. That meant that, since they were almost line of sight to what Overwatch thought was their goal, it was within reach. Halt, he said quietly. His team, huddled nervously about him, came to an immediate stop. Bull shone his light ahead of them. We turn right, and we're there, he whispered. End of the line. Overwatch able to give you any details before she fizzled out? Red asked. Just some rough dimensions, Bull said. And? It's big. Roughly the size of the Echo main hangar. You mean that hangar bay with the supersonics? No. The entire hangar. Jesus, Bella muttered. What's he got down there? The new grass state? Hitler's escape rocket? Walt Disney? 
if we're lucky, Operative Blue, perhaps some hard evidence that his experiments worked. Bull motioned them close and nodded to Harmony. Again, she laid a tentative hand on his back, and the force field intensified around them. He jerked his head at the bend in the path, and they inched forward. They came to a portal. Big, massive, and circular, much like an old-fashioned bank vault door. The door was reinforced, and as importantly, the frame was just as heavy. No blowing this thing off its hinges. Red handed Bella his flashlight and motioned her to hold the beam steady. They watched as he knelt next to the door in front of an ancient access panel. After a moment, his claws flashed out again. More hack and slash disabling? Bella asked. Not this time, Red muttered as he slipped his claws beneath the panel casing. With a grunt, he pried the cover off and examined the mess of wires and circuitry beneath. If this place is as big as Bull says it is, we might need to do more than open the door. We might need light. He fell silent as he gracefully snipped some nondescript wires apart. He shed his claws again, and his nimble, unencumbered hands reached in and brushed a few wires together. There was a crackle as sparks flared, and a low hum crescendoed all around them. Darkness fled as fluorescent bulbs lining the path flickered to life. A few continued to flicker. Are you insane? Acrobat demanded. You just turned on. What if you set off another trap? Bella decided to try something. The kid was ramping up again. She more or less shoved calm at him, all the while keeping her voice soft and soothing. Anything down here doesn't need light to get us, but we need light to see it coming. Red nodded, still focused on the panel. And if this chamber is as big as Bull says it is, then we our flashlights will be enough. Ah, here we are. He reached in and withdrew a large circuit board still tethered to the panel by ropes of wires. The circuits were printed in gold. The transistors on it were vintage 1960s, about as big as grains of corn rather than the head of a pen. Wow, that is brilliant work! Bella's eyes were like dinner plates. They could kill to see this. Have you got any idea how much that would be worth to a museum? No idea, Jeannie said, and proceeded to smash the board against the wall. There was a mighty crash as the glass-walled transistor shattered. The silence that followed was interrupted by a steely hiss as the portal slid open. Bulwark sighed. Was that really necessary? Sorry, Bull, Red chuckled. I'm a sucker for the dramatic. They turned as Harmony uttered a small squeak. She was standing in front of the vault door that had swung silently inward. Then you're gonna love this. Before them, 
was something that could not possibly be described as a room. It had walls, a floor, and an arched ceiling, and it was underground. But this was no mere room. Red squinted, and he thought he might, just possibly, be able to make out the wall at the opposite end. But he wasn't entirely sure. The light was too dim. This place was easily big enough to hold a small family farm with some space left over for, say, a racetrack. What the hell is in here? The lights in the room began to fade up, standard fluorescence slowly warming up and flickering on in sequence. There was an army below them. Row after row after row of powered armor beneath a huge vaulted ceiling looked uncannily like the rows of clay warriors in the tomb of Emperor Qixin Shuan in Shan China. Stiff and at attention, each suit of armor gleamed in the new light. Despite being still and lifeless, each held the promise of unthinkable violence. And there were hundreds of them, packed into neat little rows, four abreast, trailing off into the distance. The only interruption lay in the center of the chamber, a massive structure with a square base and a smooth domed roof. Red turned and punched Bulwark in the arm. Told you. This... Harmony paused, unsure of how to continue. This makes the kind of sense that... doesn't. How? Acrobat's voice broke. He gulped and tried again. How, how do you get all this crap down here? And this room? We must be hundreds of feet underground. They built this? Scope swore. Would someone please tell me what the hell I'm supposed to be seeing? An army scope, Bull said. We're looking at an army of metal. Based on what we thought, though, these look a bit archaic. Not primitive by any means, but first generation. And I'm sorry, Acrobat, I have no idea how this is possible. It was Bella's turn to swear. Bomb tests. They all turned to blink at her. What? asked Acrobat. Bomb tests. A-bombs. H-bombs. I live here, remember? My grandparents worked for Oppie. In the 40s, 50s, even the early 60s, Las Vegas was a handful of mob-owned casinos on Fremont Street and a few divorce ranches. The only thing that was important out here then was the military and the test site. And if it was military, no one ever asked questions. You could move anything out here as long as you stuck your crew in army surplus uniforms and painted the trucks all of drab. Everyone would assume you were doing something with the bomb tests, and no one would say a word. She shook her head. Brilliant. He installed all this right under the noses of the military. Then her face soured. He could even have done blasting time for the bomb tests, and no one would notice. Seismographs weren't that accurate back then, 
and the bomb test times were posted in the papers so people could gather and watch in Vegas. Mom has postcards. Mushroom cloud with Vegas thick. Great, Jeannie muttered. Fabulous. And make sure to add that in your report. So, Mr. Resolve, we'll be going now, yeah? Not yet, Bulwark said. We should investigate. See if we can take a sample with us. And just how are we supposed to do that, Bull? Red scoffed. Those things weigh a ton. What, you think you can grab a helmet and be off? You could crawl in one and pilot it out, Bella suggested. Right, Jeannie said, rubbing his temples. I'm sure there are simple Game Boy pads and instruction manuals in each. And you're assuming they aren't automated death machines. Christ, they might wake up the minute we get in there. The suits all had organic pilots, Bella told him. That's in the invasion debrief. Enough, Bulwark said. We go in. Stay tight. Anything looks wrong, we still have our path of retreat. Jeannie, you've got point. Red gave Bull a hard look, then swung himself onto a nearby ladder. He began to scale down, his eyes never leaving Bulwark. They followed him cautiously, making their way to ground level. Bella winced as her feet made jarring sounds on the metal rungs, with each clang echoing off into the giant room. She softened her descent, flexing her knees to ease her feet onto the rungs. She noticed the others following her lead, except for Jeannie, who slid silently away from them and down to the bottom. How the hell does he do that? She muttered to herself. Once on the floor, the space was even more intimidating. The lighting wasn't bright enough to illuminate the whole place, just enough to make spooky pools of shadow everywhere. But there was one thing Bella noticed. These suits weren't like the ones she'd seen in Groom Lake. They looked clunkier. Just as big as their modern counterparts, perhaps, but noticeably less articulated. She supposed if he managed to get one on its back, it was out of the fight. No arm cannons, either. Each held their hands close to the chest, gripping... Are those... Are those swords? Bulwark nodded. And battle axes and clubs. First gen? Bella said aloud. If they are, a sample from one of them might tell the tax a lot. Jeannie crept up to one, like a stalking cat, his curiosity overcoming his apprehension. Gingerly, he took hold of a sword, his hands running up to the hilt. He pulled. The sword didn't budge. Somebody didn't eat his Yankee Doodles this morning. Red didn't answer. Instead, he somersaulted up and sat on the armor's immense shoulders. Reaching down, he strained to pry the cold metal fingers from the sword hilt. Nothing. They were locked tight. Well, Bulwark said. So much for that idea. Let's move along. There might be something else salvageable further on. 
maybe a spare parts bin off the scope. Or, or a scratch and dent section, Acrobat chuckled. 50% off, only used to invade on Sundays. Laughing, they moved deeper into the room. Their initial panic at seeing the extent of the place quickly lost when nothing moved or offered a threat. Red hopped down from his perch and watched them go. He didn't join in on the laughter. Neither did Bella. The rest might not be spooked, but she still was. There was a vast maze out there to prove Goldman was a psychotic nutball bastard. This was still part of his creation. And despite what they had gone through to get this far, she still couldn't shake the feeling that it had still been far too easy. The image of her team blind down there jolted her. Hard. Right into thinking mode again. The pain didn't matter. She'd gone through worse. What did matter was her team. She'd let them down already. She couldn't leave them. Right. Some cold boot and see what comes up. Vicky powered everything down and, one piece at a time, powered it back up again. She nearly wept to see the test run, and most of it come back live. A couple hard drives lost, but that was not a problem. She had backups of her backups. But no BSODs, oh God be thanked. Grabbing her kit, she plunged into the belly of the beast, taking care of the purely mechanical and electrical first. Then the overwatch system. Known quantity first. Jam. Murdoch wasn't expecting her to ping him, but he was getting into the habit of always wearing his wires on patrol and... Yes. Yes, he was, and he was live. She got his camera and mic feeds and the mechanical locator on the map. So the mechanical part of Overwatch was working. Now the magical. She pulled Bulwark's packet from the USB interface and plugged JMs in. Nothing. And it wasn't the packet. Back she went to the spare parts shelf and hauled out a new interface, blessing her own paranoia. Plug and plug, cast the spell, and there he was on the map, without benefit of the mechanical locator. She pulled Jan's packet and plugged in bowls. Nothing. She tried not to scream. Their progress was slow at first, until they realized they were inspecting the same armor over and over again. With each new row, each new battalion, they found the same armor, wielding the same weapons, each as immovable as the last. They sped up, moving to a cautious march, their eyes everywhere, until they came to the giant dome structure. It towered over them. The dome appeared to be a flawless ceiling of metal, glinting softly in the dim light, atop a tall, square metallic slab. Red squinted to make out the details. Unlike the domed roof, the square walls of the base seemed rougher. He inched closer and finally ran his hand along it. He realized his mistake. The walls were smooth as well, but inlaid with intricate carvings. He shone his flashlight over them and was surprised to see a brilliant relief of an enormous wolf, beautifully portrayed mid-battle with human soldiers half its size. He could almost hear its snarls, feel its rage. 
he nodded to Bulwark and made his way around the monument. Another relief, this time of a bird. An eagle, he would say, wings spread, claws extended, captured in that flash of time just before snatching its prey and hurtling up to the sky. A rabbit, perhaps? Red looked closer, his eyes widening. No. A horse. Giant animal predators. What kind of whack job car are these, I wonder? Continuing, he found two more similar carvings, again depicting the savage wolf and the triumphant eagle. But no doors, no panels, nothing suggesting that this structure was anything more than a monument to the crazed inner workings of the mind of the Third Reich's most infamous inventor. Well, Bulwark asked as Jeannie joined the rest of the group. It's official, Jeannie replied. Goldman was a nut job. Take a look here, Jeannie, Bull said, shining his flashlight on a new row of armor. We're finally seeing something different. Red gave the armor an appraising look. No more medieval weaponry and thicker arms, too. No, not arms. Arm-mounted Gatling guns, Bulwark said. And no, they won't come off. We just tried. Acrobat, I hope you're getting all this. Acrobat nodded, guiding his sensors over every inch of the armor. Strobe lighting pulsed from the handheld, accompanied by soft clicking sounds as the minuscule camera snapped a steady stream of pictures. Odd, Bull said. It's like we're walking through more than just an armory. They're lined up in some sort of historical order. More like a museum. Red jerked a thumb back toward the dome. Well, that would explain that monstrosity. Sir? From ahead, they heard Harmony's surprise squeal. You should probably take a look at this. They rushed ahead and came to an impossible sight. No. The hell? That's not possible. Hello, Scope cried out. Still blind here. Bella shook off her shock long enough to grab Scope's shoulder and give her another dose, which wasn't going to help her see much now. Um, it's modern armor suits. Like we thought. Like we thought? Scope repeated. Yes, Bella answered. In here? Yes. In this really, really old vault. Yes. Modern armor. In this really, really old vault. Like we fought three months ago. And lots of it. Okay. Scope nodded. I'm with Red. Let's get out of here. Before the three bears come back for their porridge. Seconded. Bella said promptly. Agreed. Bulwark said. This goes beyond any measure of uncertainty. If these are here, someone's been here recently. 
we're gone. Now. Wait, Red interrupted. Don't panic. Panicking tends to get you dead a lot faster than thinking something through. Well, that's easy for you to say, Acrobat blurted. Uh, guys, I can't see, but I still got my ears, Scope said, pointing a thumb behind her. What just happened back there? They all turned. The light at the entrance was dimming, and the door was closing. Not quickly, but fast enough they'd never get there before it shut and sealed. How about now? Panic good now? Yeah, Red muttered. Panic good now. With a steely hiss, the door shut. Behind them, from the labyrinth, a warning bell began to peal. The room, once dimly lit by a few panels high in the ceiling, exploded with light. Vicky froze a moment with despair. Please, please, please don't let them be. But her hands were already moving by themselves, grabbing six fresh spell packets from the storage bin and plugging them into the interface. And... Yes! All six lovely, lively little dots on a blank screen, one she quickly overlaid with the last saved version of the map they were making as they made their way through the catacombs. They were in a big space. The big space they'd been heading for when she got knocked out. Now, in a fever, she brought up the mechanicals. Please let the headsets and mice. Nothing on the headsets. Only static on the mics. Vicky hammered her fist down on her desk. You've been listening to the Secret 